And we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another live collective Hotelier Pulse session, this being the 26th release of the Hotelier Pulse report. I hope you're all doing well wherever you are joining us from and that the sun is shining on you. It's beautiful and sunny here in Germany, so we're very excited about that. Joining me as usual today is, of course, Mr. Pedro Calaco, who is the CEO of Guest Centric and Great Hotels of the World. And of course, a member of Tech Talk Travel. Pedro, great to have you here. How are you? Good to see you again. Great to be back. Uh, the, the sun is shining. I had four weeks off, four days off last week. So, Beautiful. apologies for my um, tan. <laughs> yes, yes, you're making me look rather ill when, when compared next to you. <laughs> so, that's an incentive for me to definitely get out into the sun. Also yeah. uh, joining us today, it's great to have Sasha Darling with us, who is the Regional Director of Central Europe at Wyndham Hotels and Reports. I'm sure many of you watching know Sasha. Sasha, how are you doing? It's great to see you. How are you? My pleasure to be with you. Hi, guys. Nice, nice to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. I'm doing well. I uh, just came back from the German Hotel Congress in Rust. I can tell you it was a travel all over the country last day. And uh, yeah, it was quite warm in the trains, I can tell you, but uh, finally made it last night. <laughs> Very good. Well, it's great to have you joining us and we really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. And folks, don't forget to also leave your comments and questions in the comments section and we'll make sure that we get them to our, our panel and to the gentleman on the session. And please also tag the person that you'd like the comments addressed to so that we can make sure that it goes to the right person. Also, Leah will leave uh, the link for next month's Hotelier Pulse report in the comments. So if you are a hotelier and are keen to be included, please make sure to click on that link and be a part of the process. And she'll also put in the link for this month's report so that you can all uh, have a look at it and uh, download it and see what it is that we're talking about today. Okay, so I think with all of the intros out of the way and housekeeping items done, Pedro, Sasha, let's get started. So I'm just going to bring up the report here. And I think uh, obviously from this report, Pedro, it looks like Hotelier's business optimism is continuing to increase since March this year. It now ranks 7.5 out of 10 as we kickstart summer 2022. It's looking good. Yes, looking very good. So if we look at, you know, um, I think um, a lot of the optimism has been driven by actually actual performance, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at um, the on the books for May, right, which is actually checkouts in May, uh, we're seeing that even though nights we are still 13% below uh, 2019, so occupancy is still at a relatively lower level, but in terms of actually revenue generated, we're up 14, 14%. So I think this breaking through the 2019 um, level is, is encouraging people to be very optimistic. And if you look here at the curve of what uh, revenue the, our hotels are generating, again, this is a very small subset, same star comparison of our hotels. We see that there was this huge increase and also, you know, May is better than April. And that's really been driving this optimism um, and, and if we go and look actually at the evolution of optimism, we're now at the highest since November of last year. So mm -hmm. I think everybody's really looking at a very, very positive summer. And because May has been so strong and June is looking very strong also, everybody's very optimistic about where it's going. Yeah, that's great. Sasha, how optimistic do you feel about business performance in 2022? And, and perhaps can you give us a, an explanation why? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this optimism as well. 
so feeling feeling this curve and, and it's lovely to see that, that it's a it's a wider range that, that we're thinking like like it is um but um beside all the all these uptrends and what we've seen in germany we are sitting in refpar by the end of may around 10 percent below 2019 levels which is just lovely but um is, is it is it really good is, is 10 percent below 2019 uh, still good when we're talking about the inflation ratio all this rise in in costs of energy that we are seeing these days um, I, I don't have any idea what, what comes next. And um, what I'm really cautious about is, is autumn. Um, so, so what I do see is a lovely summer. People are going out. And, and as you just said it in the intro, Andre, um, right now the summer is there. We are all loving this, this time to, to be out and about and, and be out in the garden and on the seaside, as, as Pedro was over his long weekend. But um, let, let's see what, what's coming up next. And I think we're, we're not over it um, um, in Germany, we're just talking about the, the summer wave coming across with uh, COVID. Pfft, am I really um, yeah, touched to it? I, I can't tell you. So I'm, I'm feeling well. I'm, I'm more than uh, loving it being back on conferences, meeting with people in reality and, and feeling what our industry is all about. And this is what I do see in hotels, in, in parks, everywhere around. People are gathering again. And this is what, what we are there for. But we need to relearn. And this is where the optimism really flows with but we have to be a bit caution of, of what's coming up in, in autumn most definitely i would agree entirely with that but i do think uh the general feeling out there is of um optimism and and a bright future moving forward i think people are starting to get to the point with with the pandemic and with COVID that it's a matter of acceptance now and and life uh, life just has to go on one way or another and and it should Absolutely. So, so being yeah. stuck in our homes for for over two years, it, it really we really need to be out and about. And I was on a on a concert uh, two weeks back, and uh, being out on a concert again with twenty five thousand other people, just having a good time on a, on a nice summer evening. This this is really what what life is, and then we were all waiting for it for for a long time. And I see it the same in in hospitality. We do see the uptrends in the seaside. We do see it in the mountainside where people are able to have a real good time and, and spend a good time. They do take this advantage of some uh, yeah, breaks in between uh, the public holidays and long weekends and just extend it a bit. And also interesting is the, the vacation thing, going out there, make another day afterwards, stay there for a day longer and just do your work from wherever you are. And this work from yeah. anywhere is a thing that really helps us as hotels and that I do really see as, as a nice uptrend for hotels and for the business overall. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Obviously, with the, the, the following the rise of domestic leisure travel in 2020 and 21 because of the, the situation that we've all gone through, international leisure, leisure travel is now expected to largely contribute to the industry's recovery for the remainder of this year. Um, and the data shows that international bookings are catching up with pre-pandemic levels. So I'd like to, before we go into the chart um, with, with Pedro, perhaps, Sasha, you could give us how have your target segments evolved since 2020 until now, 2022, if at all? Um, yeah, it, it, it's a bit of, di of a difference. So when I, when I do see the, the wider Windham Hotels portfolio, of course, we do have a lot of leisure hotels and they were um, picking up this business quite fast. And those are Mediterranean, those are in, in Turkey, those are in, in the Middle East and, and also in South America, Middle America. This business is, is really doing well. And this, this road trip business, I, I would call it, is really working out well. In, in my region, which is Central Europe, it's a bit different. Um, and we do have a majority of hotels being 
business hotels and being mice hotels. Um, this took a bit longer to, to pick up the business, but we do see a trend that even in those hotels, if the hotels are located quite nicely, people tend to go out for some holiday times in there and for some city breaks in there as well. Um, but, but overall, um, we do see this trend of, of leisure picking up as well, but not especially for the region um, of, of Central Europe and mainly Germany, where we do have a majority of hotels being business hotels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, Pedro, what, uh, what did you want to show us from the slides regarding this one? So this is sort of where, where your statement is, is sort of uh, revolves around, which is really this, this notion that really international travel is going to take over. We've been sort of, or at least what we have been sort of on the, on the uh, on the edge of saying yeah domestic international domestic international but really what we're seeing is that um, international uh, travel is really back uh, and bookings are way above 2021 levels and they are really close to 2019 levels and if you look here in terms of this is you know on top is again this is stays right uh, for 2019 through 2022 um, on a yearly basis and then on a quarterly basis and we can see actually that, you know, we had a huge increase. It almost doubled, actually, the amount of, of, of domestic travel. And now, percentage-wise, we're back to 83% international travel. So we're almost back to 2019. Um, and if we look here at actually volumes of nights booked, we can see that domestic travel still is very strong above 2019, but not as strong as in 2019. 21, right? So 2021 was a year that was dominated by um, domestic travel. And what we're seeing is that international travel is trending very, very closely to 2019 level. So I think we're getting almost the, the best of both worlds. International is back at 2019 and domestic has grown a little bit further. And all of that is just driving a lot of demand. Mm. Peter, so there, sure. there was a thing. Uh, so, sorry, Andre. Um, no, please, there there was a thing that, that we were thinking about um, it, it was mainly summer last year, and, and I do see it this year as well. Is international travel more inter-European travel from, from your perspective, or is it already intercontinental travel as well? No, we, we, are, seeing, we, we are seeing number one uh, uh, guests in international travel for our hotels are mm -hmm. Americans. So by oh, far okay. the number one. So, okay. so we've seen that consistently over the last few months. Actually, I don't have the numbers here. Um, I, I don't think I have the numbers here, but yes, um, the, the Americans are back with a vengeance. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and actually, you know, we also have a lot of anecdotal examples of there's just lots of Americans. We, for instance, we work with a group um, that now has 40% of their guests are Americans. It's a wow. small okay. boutique-ish group in mm -hmm. city center mm -hmm. hotels, um, boutique-ish, you know, upscale, uh, but 40% but of their, of their uh, guests are now Americans. So, so there's a lot of intercontinental travel going on. More so Americans coming to Europe than Europeans going to America. Yeah, I do see it a bit bit different, but uh, yeah, absolutely right. I do see intercontinental travel picking up as well. Not not so so high as you see, and most probably it's it's due to the to the leisure factor, isn't it? Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. From from a from a business factor is something that we have seen, and it was in, in May an extensive uh, trade fair month in Germany. It's uh, the Alma. Um, taught, uh, talked about 50 international trade fairs taking place in one month, which is extensive to, to what is, would have been normally. And it was all the trade fairs 
pushed out of the first quarter into the second, where there was some, some consistency in rules and regulations. People were able to travel. And this was the point where international, intercontinental travel really bounced back in the business. That's for, for what I see. So, yeah. Sasha, is Wyndham also generating more international travel from outside of continental Europe as well? It's picking up. Uh, but it's it's more slowly. So for, for my region, right. especially, it's more inter-European travel first because it, it's really easy to drive through then. Um, but the intercontinental travel is coming back with um, the, the options of freight fares and then with, with the opening up of, of the overall situation. Right, I do see the Americans coming back to Europe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how, and how and are will, you guys... Shape... You know, for, sorry. sorry. For, next, for next month, I will, I, will, I will do that, right? The inter-European versus inter... Mm -hmm. continental i can do that analysis easily very good just uh before we go to a a question from uh, the audience i just want to ask you as well how are you shaping your strategy now in order to respond to that increasing international demand sasha we're trying to to be flexible because this is what what we do see is is uh, yeah the main thing for for those travelers um, given flexibility in terms of cancellations in terms of of changing of of dates or changing of of reservations to make sure they are able to adjust to their needs because there is still some uncertainty to the travel restrictions to uh, yeah some and, and what we do see right now is some some discussion around flight delays. This is uh, quite new, which hasn't been there in the past. And um, due to the fact that there is a labor shortage all around, even in, in airport stuff, and this is extensive, um, mm. and, and planes are just not getting where, where they should. Um, so mm. we need to, to give flexibility. We need to be transparent. So the, the own website, and this is something we, we come around uh, later when we're talking about where bookings are coming from, but the own website is a key element of pushing out the information to what would you expect as a traveler in there. So being transparent, being flexible and utilizing um, the own loyalty program to really attract the, the people, the, the loyal members to your brand and, and let them ex- yeah, go, go across the brand and really experience the brand itself and in all, all facts and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, it's good that you mentioned the the, the airports and the staff shortages because that's a question we have from uh, Pontus Berner. Pontus, okay. great to see you joining us today. Thank you for for your question and for for being here. And he's basically saying, with more and more reports on staff shortages at the airports and within the airlines, this might affect travel this summer. So, what do you believe? Um, what do you expect from this? Do you think that it will have any effect at all on your hotel business? As as just said, yes. Um, yeah. in, in, in two two ways, the, the one is people are not being able to come to your hotels just because the flight's not taken off. And the other ones are the ones sitting at the airport not being able to take off to, to their hometowns. So um, it's, it's a mix of delay and a mix of, um, of people not arriving, uh, which would lead to the same level of, of occupancy at the end of the day. So it, it won't change at all. But yes, it will um, affect us. And I believe... Um, it, it will be, be hard for us to, to work it out with the guests because there's uh, a high level of, of bad mood coming across with delayed flights, with being um, yeah, stuck in, in a certain destination where you're not prepared to. Yeah, yeah. Pedro, are you, what are your thoughts around that as well? So, so certainly we're seeing that and, and especially, you know, uh, still inter-European travel is working reasonably well because of the, of the Schengen, uh, you know, yep. area where there's really no passports. But we are seeing, you know, severe delays in people coming over from America uh, and from the UK now. And that's and, and we cannot forget that the UK is a very important source market for leisure travel in Europe in the summer. Mm-hmm. So 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 I do see that that may, uh, you know, create some 
is going to create some constraints. Um, I hope that the summer is not going to be severely affected because most of the planes are still going to fly. People are just going to be, you know, um, a, a little bit moody, as Sasha was saying. And I think it's really up to the hotels to give people, you know, a welcome drink, make them feel, you know, welcome. And uh, we should thank them for their business uh, so that, you know, mm -hmm. overall the experience when they go back home is a positive experience, even though they have this annoyance at the airport, it was an overall good experience so that they don't, you know, start basically going back home and saying, ah, you know what, better not fly this summer, wait for next summer because it's a mess out there and hotels are, are have staff shortages and, you know, there's no housekeeping and this and that and the other. So, so I think it's up to us to sort of try to make up for clearly what's going to be overall a bad experience in, in flight this summer, I think. Okay, very good. Yeah. Let's let's move across to uh, the the topic of the pandemic, if you like, for a lot of hotels, and that's the uh, the increase in direct bookings. Um, okay. Obviously, everyone has seen the significant increase in that over the the last eighteen months. The, sh the survey shows the majority of hoteliers are still planning to uphold this channel as a top source of reservations for the coming 12 months. So, Sasha, um, do you think that this is a realistic aim given that the OTAs are ramping up their marketing strategies now? And in your opinion, what should hoteliers be doing to compete for the rest of this year um, and the travel boom and beyond? Um, well, well I, I would say try not to compete with, with the OTAs. It's a game you can only lose, right? So um, I've, I've read the, the study and I think all of us read it that Expedia and Booking are placing around 45 to 65 percent of the revenues to marketing this is a spend that the hotel can't afford and, and this is not what, what we are here for so we we are spending our money as a bit uh, other way but but we have to compete in a different way because we do own the business so we do own the hotels so this is where we can make a difference we do have our own loyalty programs just utilize it just work on this and, and be the host you can be because the OTAs do not own the hotels. And what we have seen, uh, and we just shared a moment ago uh, before we went live, that uh, today the HotRex study came out um, and told that the direct bookings uh, in 2021 increased by 55% to prior levels, which is impressive. But what would you have to take into consideration that it overall over a period of time since uh, 2013 to 2021, um, the number of OTA share increased by 10% to roughly 30% of the business of hotels in Europe, while the direct bookings de decreased by exactly those 10%. So this, this uptrend was there throughout the pandemic. I believe it was because of a good level of information on hotel websites. You were able to place the information in the right moment. You were able to, to guide your guests the right way. And this was highly appreciated. So this is a thing we can work on. We can work on our own website. We can work on our own showcase to let the guests know what is there, what is about, what, what is, do you need about the hotel? In a very personal story, I just tried to, to book a hotel uh, for, for a short break holiday. There it is again. Um, mm -hmm. And I came to, to a point where I was not able within the booking engine to find all the information I needed. So I dropped the hotel an email and I was able to get in touch with them, which was lovely. But in a very good booking engine, I would have seen everything at hand and would just book through. And so I had to bother the, the lady at the reservation, which did an amazing job, by the way, and answered straight within hours. But it, it could have been sorted out by a very good, very clear, understandable website. And I would say, being from the hospitality industry, I was looking for it. I was searching for it. 
I didn't find the information I was looking for. So um, this is most probably the, the homework I do see. Let, let's have our website, our showcase in the very, very best way. And then being the host at the, at the front end where the guests are arriving at the hotel. Yeah, I think that's uh, a sentiment everyone can agree with as well on this on this session. Pedro, what about the direct bookings from your report? It's, so, I think so, it's still consistent, right? Absolutely. So it's been a highlight of our report, you know, again, here since May 21. I, we're just not going further back, but there's been this expectation that, you know, the importance of direct bookings will increase. And it's been floating there between five and six out of seven, but it's been very consistent through, through, through the pandemic. Uh, but uh, look at now at 2022, if you look here, you know, direct for 2022, you know, in, in, in amount grew 60% versus 2019. This is January through May, right? So mm -hmm. again, on the books, January through May, uh, it grew 60%. So direct is really growing fast mm -hmm. compared to 2019. So um, I just think that we have to capitalize on that. Um, and, th and that's really what we're seeing is that, Direct is, is a very strong channel right now. And if I look if I look here at the other channels, maybe it's it's a good topic to discuss yeah. also at this mm -hmm. stage. If we look at the other channels, we see here that the channel mix um, was, as we were saying, you know, um, uh, this is again in our in, in in the mix of our hotels was in 2021, um, you know, 49%, 59, 69. So it's been very strong through the pandemic, the, the level of, of of, of, of direct bookings, but you know, booking.com has been coming up and Expedia has, has also been coming up mm -hmm. through the last few months. So we should expect that direct is going to go down a little bit and it sh we should expect that we have to fight harder for our direct um, uh, guests. Um, still, if you look here in terms of booked amount, direct is by far the number one, even though booking is now uh, number one in terms of nights. So mm -hmm. again, Looking here, the last three months, things have stabilized around these levels. Um, and it's going to be, you know, this is what we're going to have through the summer. Um, also, if you look at in terms of U.S. versus Europe, we're seeing two very radically different worlds, right? Direct is very much stronger in the U.S. with almost 50%, and then Expedia 34%, and then booking at 18%. And then sort of the other way around where, Booking.com is the strongest in Europe. Again, that inter-Europe travel that Sasha was talking about mm -hmm. goes mostly through Booking.com and therefore Booking.com is very strong in Europe. So, so this is sort of in terms of the channel mix what we're seeing. Mm. Yeah, it's, and, and again, it's very consistent, as you can see from the graphs there, that there's not a lot of fluctuations in terms of the percentages, really. Yeah, and certainly not in the last few quarters, right? No, it's no. been very, fairly consistent. And I, yeah. I know you have some slides prepared, Pedro, in, in regards to ADR, and, and we've seen a, a nice trend in ADR over the last month, which is lovely to see that, that the colleagues are doing, and, and the revenue management teams are doing great jobs there, but um, are, you, are you feeling that, that there could be um, something like a, let's call it a price war, let, let's be very honest, um, that this is coming up again, because this is something what I do see um, our, our friends at the OTAs are playing with, right? So they ask you to offer promotions here, promotions there, three nights stay, 30% off and whatsoever. Is this really something that is still fancy around? I, I don't see it. Um, and, and I do feel we, we need to really um, price it uh, to, to the value that travel has. 
Well, you know, that, it's funny you say you don't see it. You're Wyndham, so you don't see it for sure. What we're seeing is that certainly we're seeing a lot more parity issues mm -hmm. nowadays uh, than we saw, say, back in 2021 and even in 2019. And okay. we're seeing parity issues in two formats, right? We're seeing that OTAs are driving very aggressively campaigns of promotions, which most of our hotels, because they're sort of upscale hotels, are not necessarily going into because they're saying, hey, business is good. Demand levels are at record high, so I'm not going to go into that. But we're seeing at the lower end that there's a lot of stuff going on with OTAs sort of pushing promotions mm -hmm. to hotels. And then we're seeing a second level, which is mo mostly in the resort area, where um, because of you know channels like Agoda and some of the tour operators and some of the hotel uh, bed banks um, that actually resell the inventory. So I'll give an example where we found a, a parity mismatch where the net rate, uh, so the, the, the sell rate was at around 200 euros. Mm -hmm. The net rate was about 160. And there was a channel selling online for 163 euros. Ooh, okay. so, so, yeah. so those games are back mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. a way. And I think a lot of hotels tried to widen the channel distribution um, uh, through the pandemic because they were just looking for business. And now they have these badly behaved channels and now it's time to roll them back in. So mm -hmm. I think that that's, we're seeing more parity issues in yeah. that, on that front than necessarily with the OTAs. But I think it's because of our, our business mix and our hotel mix that a lot of our hotels are just not going into the OTA promotions. And, and you're right. And I do see that, that from, from a Winton perspective or not only Winton, but from Chain's perspective, there, there is some, some possible leverage to talk to the OTAs, to talk to those bad banks and really figure, figure out those, those rate parity issues. But there are a lot of hotels, independent hotels, smaller hotels. Um, do you have any, any hind, any idea for, for, for their yeah, work work through this jungle of um, rate parity. No, so, so what what we're recommending is to roll those those channels back in, and and you know the, because often it's like channels that they have never heard about because again it's mm -hmm. going through bad bank and they're reselling. So the only way really to do to find out is you have to do a reservation, a refundable reservation, to find out how the reservation comes through. So it's it's a manual intensive, you know. Thing, but I think it's 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 worth it because um, keeping your price structure in line is probably the most important thing that a hotel can do in this time, right? And and as I was, you know, I have been discussing this with lots of our clients, and you know, occupancy is at max, price is mm -hmm. at max. So the only way to drive more bottom line is to lower the commission structure, right? So so that's the only way where people are going to be able to get profitability on, uh, yeah. is yeah. because occupancy and pricing are already maxed out. They have to lower the commission structure. So they have to make sure that they drive business in, in, in channels that have reasonable commission levels. And certainly the direct channel is the best for that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Okay, very good, without a doubt. Also, um, Sasha, just in relation to the city center hotels in 2022, they've seen continual increased occupancy expectations. And in May, actually, of this year, they forecasted nearly 80% of occupancy for, for this month, for June 2022, mm -hmm. which is the highest levels out of all of the segments surveyed since the uh, Hotelier Pulse survey has started in, in April of 2020. So over the course of 2020 and 2021, most people seem to want to get out of the cities, which was uh, for 
obvious reasons and work in more remote destinations. Now that the restrictions have eased and travel's resuming to the major cities again, do you expect this trend to change significantly for the remainder of the year? And, and if so, why? So, so the, the, the trend is, I believe, is on. Uh, people are ticking up uh, the, the bucket lists again. They, they are out and, and they are looking for, for those places to, to go again. Um, and, and this is really interesting to see because they, they were, weren't just able to, to go out for roughly two years. So people are still going out there. But even cities are part of, of those bucket lists as well. And this is what, what we do see as well. So nice cities, interesting cities. And I just learned over the course of this week that uh, Freiburg in the very southwest of Germany was elected under the top three cities on, on Lonely Planet, uh, Lonely Planet um, travel destinations. Uh, it, it was a destination that, that is not really not on my bucket list, but <laughs> so it, it comes up, right? And we do see nice uptrends in, in those such we used to call tier two or tier three cities where people are going to because it's on this list and it's mentioned in there. And, and the, the cities weren't on the radar for years, but right now they are there and travelers are hungry to, to meet the, the locals. They are hungry to meet the city and, and to experience something new, even though if, if it's just inter-European or still domestic travel, they are looking for these places to go to. And this is at this time also the cities and not only um, the surroundings that it was in 2019 or 2020, where you were just happy when you were out anywhere and no people around. This changed completely. <laughs> so people are happy to sit in restaurants, meet together, sit in the beer gardens around here. They are absolutely crowded and it's lovely. Lovely to see that it's possible again. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so Pedro, with the pickups here, did you want to go through these slides as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just wanted to show. Oh, sorry. Uh, why did Other I go way? back to ADR? Um, sorry. Uh, we will go back to that in a minute. So sure. I, I just wanted to show basically, you know, what we've been discussing in terms of the business environment, how things are really um, sort of fantastic. So demand remains above 2019. Actually, if you look, we had a peak of demand in May of 2021, and we we've been over that peak for a while now. So demand is just at a, at, at at an amazing level, and if you convert that into euros, then it's just beyond any uh, you know anything that we've seen in the past. Um, and that's why you know we have now over 90% of people saying that they will certainly outperform 2021, which is not, you know, not unsurprising. But I think what's most surprising is that we have almost 40% of the people saying they're already at the same financial position as they were in 2019. And we have over 70% saying that they expect to do that by the end of the year. So mm -hmm. I think that overall, um, the industry is in good shape. Um, every, I, I am worried, like Sasha said earlier, a little bit about the... Um, about the, the the winter actually mm -hmm. not the, the i think the shoulder season is still going to be okay um i think the winter is going to be a challenge for multi, a multitude of reasons one of them is obviously that the hedging of the fuel costs of the airlines is going to come to an end in the september october november time frame and that means that pricing of airlines is going to go up certainly you know we don't know what's going to happen in the winter with covid let's hope nothing happens but you know, all these all these new variants have been very mild and there's a lot of people with COVID, but they're basically experiencing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but there's inflation, um, there's the energy prices, um, there's, you know, less disposable income for people. 
uh, because, you know, everything has gone up. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and, and he's in the chicken business, right? Um, so, uh, and chicken prices have gone up by 70, 70% in the last wow. 12 months wow. right mm -hmm. so so and so it goes think about it, it goes up from three euros to you know uh, or to five but that's you know that's 70 percent, right mm -hmm. so that's that's the sort of things that that you don't notice necessarily just by looking at at the the prices in the supermarket uh but actually makes a big dent in in disposable income so i'm a little yep. bit worried about all of that you know but in general i think Price uh, uh, pricing has gone up and it's going to be here to stay. I hope. I hope that hoteliers have behaved very um, well in the pandemic in terms of keeping the prices up. So hopefully we're not going to get into a price war, as Sasha was saying. As soon as demand start, starts falling, because it mm -hmm. will start falling, you cannot keep it at this level, right? Um, and um, and let's see what happens in in the winter. Um, that's that's probably my biggest uh, concern. We don't have visibility into numbers yet. Hopefully by next month, we'll have a little bit of numbers for October, November, right? The numbers for September are still looking fabulous. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Sasha, I know one of your personal passions is um, the um, renewal of German apprenticeships, um, which obviously for our industry should result highly in, in well-educated new experts within the business. But before we shift to that, I want to also just ask you from Wyndham's perspective, with now the peak seasons coming in and, and, and business ramping up, how are you coordinating your staffing levels so that you can meet the demands when they're needed? But then, as Pedro said, and as you have also said, when autumn comes and winter starts again, perhaps that demand may not be there anymore. So how are you going to manage that process to ensure that your staffing levels are adequate, that your, your, your service levels are being met for your staff, but then also being able to manage the costs associated to that. Because I think that's also a massive challenge for a lot of, a lot of businesses. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but we need to, to look at it from, from two angles. The one is, is the Windham corporate angle, um, which, which we are in as, as a team. And, and we took the decision in 2019, 2020 to go into the markets uh, while others were pulling out and were reducing stuff. So we were re, uh, yeah, regaining into the markets and, and were up uh, with some teams and with some feet on the ground and we deeply believed that we would need to support our partners and that we would need to be there at that time so this is the the counter me spirit that Wintem is pursuing in the markets. so this is here to stay and and we're not here to pulling out of the markets immediately uh when the business is declining we then need to to work around and help support our partners to get through these dark times from a hotel perspective, Andre, it's a bit of a difference because um, our Windham model is a 100% franchise model, which means uh, we, we can't really yeah, ask the hotels to perform a certain performance with their teams around. So it's up to, to the franchiser to do their job in terms of yeah, stuffing, in, in terms of um, shorter work hours or whatever schemes are there. We can just give them guidelines and help them along the way. Mm. For, from a very personal level, what, what we have seen around here with a lot of our partners is that this, this furlough scheme in, in Germany was working quite well. And as long as they were able to, to keep the teams together communication-wise, they were able to, to pull the teams back on board in the moment they were needed. And those people were waiting for it. Of course, the, those front desk staff or reservation staff or waiters in the restaurants, those were the guys being attracted by 
grocery shopping stores like Aldi, like Lidl. And they did a phenomenal job, which is a pity, but they attracted directly uh, through the, to those people during the pandemic and asked them to join a complete different industry, mm. which mm. if you sit at home and have you just nothing to do and someone is cutting off your purpose of work, you're eager, eager to, to go there and just find a new purpose for your work. But mm. I do see a, a small trend, but a, but a trend of people coming back to the industry because they believe hospitality is what they are there for and what they want to do. They don't want to sit at the counter at a, at a grocery shopping store. So mm. this is, is good to say, but um, it, it um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's part of our franchise partners. We can just give them guidelines. We can train the stuff, make sure that those people are well trained, that they are well situated and settled in the business um, and then yeah, work out the, the best guidelines and then help to see what, and, and this is the difference uh, in, in all those um, countries that, that we are overlooking. It's not the same scheme of furlough or anything around. So we have to work with each and every government and ask each and every directions, rules and regulations um, to, to pull out and, and present to the franchise partners, which obviously we are simply not able to. When we're having hotels in roughly 90 countries, we're simply not able to have an idea of what's happening in every country, what is the scheme. So it's very, very much communication, conversation with the partners and see where you can lend a hand, where we can um, yeah, support them. We did extensively with reducing of fees in order to help them survive over the time. Um, this is where, where we can really do a difference to, to the, the model we usually have within the franchise contracts. But mm. in terms of asking them to, to perform a certain staff training or certain staff staffing number. We're simply not able to. It's just guidelines and mm. good relationship where it works out. Okay. And, and also just in relation to that, finally, how, how has technology, if at all, played a role in your decision process around that or in, in the way that you're coordinating with the hotels? I, have you made it from a corporate level, have you shifted your objectives around technology to better support hotels with staff, lower staffing levels or have you kind of maintained the existing status quo and, 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 and are maybe just upgrading technology as and when is necessary? Well, we are. We um, enhanced our app. It started in the US. It's picking up in uh, Europe and all over as well um, to, to make sure our, our guests are able to, to utilize the app, book directly there, have all the hotels at one hand. We improved our websites to support the hotels a bit better. Um, and we took the decision in, it was 2021, um, that we will do a major partnership with Opera Oracle to have a, a cloud system for all the hotels at hand. Mm -hmm. Not all hotels have shifted yet and have had made the move, but there is a possibility to move in technology and then move a step ahead out of the on-premise systems. But it's, it's piece by piece. And if we do see in, in the hotels itself, when you're looking at the the lock situation, for example, at uh, hotel room doors, it's not so easy for us to ask someone to renovate mm. a hotel with 150 rooms and change all the locks during the pandemic. No. Um, so they, they need to firstly right now um, do some some profit and then we are able to talk about how to, to use technology. But yes, we, we're thinking of it. We're looking at it, at it. We're looking into robots. We're looking into automated check-in processes. We're looking into mobile check-in processes. Um, most probably the, the technique that is here, we're looking into chatbots to support on the websites, which is interesting 
um, it, it's not so easy to, to find the right ones. It's not so easy to, to sort it out um, where to go. But uh, yes, we, we're looking at it piece by piece and see where we can support our franchise partners best. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a challenge at, at times as well to get the, uh, the partners to, to, to understand why certain technology decisions are being made from a corporate level and why they should be adopting them. And, and investing in it. That's also, I think, uh, and it could be a challenge for you guys, but I'm not sure. But I know from my previous experience that that was also a challenge or was always it, a challenge. It, it is absolutely always. So you, you have to communicate quite clearly. So um, yep. very briefly and uh, because it's, it's just between the three of us and all others uh, listening out there. Um, of course, we, we would love to have a unified approach in terms of PMS data. It, it is the best for us to have an idea of, of how the market is performing, how the global market of, of Wyndham is performing. This would be the very best situation we can have. In the moment, you do have all those small PMSs around. It's lovely for the hotels to have their PMS tech stack around. But for ourselves, it is lovely to have a unified approach and to really oversee trends and then do the promotions we do need then we can roll out the technical uh, and then the, the technical uh, ideas uh, robots uh, check in yeah. check out whatever quite easily yeah. but uh, with a with a franchise partnership it's we're sitting at around nine thousand hotels right now yeah. you can imagine it's, it's not so easy to ask all those nine thousand to no. change the pms by the end of this week no of course no, yeah. no. <laughs> Uh, Pedro, what are your thoughts around that whole topic? Because, I mean, obviously, given you, you, you're you sitting on both sides of the fence, so I'm always curious to, yeah. to find out from, so, from so you. If you wanna, so, so if you bring up the slides, I'll use that as a, as, as a segue to the topic. So, uh, so the topic is ADR, right? So um, we can see that there's been an expectation that ADR is going to go up now very consistently for the last six months, and I think that's really good news. But the better news is actually that ADR is up almost 30%. Now, I do know that some production factors like energy are up, right? And energy is a significant, you know, part of the bill. But actually, the other part of the bill that's very significant is people. So we have a little bit more margin. And I think the way to, you know, solve the problem is twofold, right? A, we're going to have to attract people to come back into the industry. So we're going to have to pay them better and give them better terms and conditions, so to say, for them to, to, you know, have their purpose, as Sasha was saying. And we have a little bit of margin to do that. I do know that, you know, a lot of hotels are undercapitalized right now. They had to do loans and all this other stuff to survive the pandemic. But I think it's time to really start to, you know, improve the conditions of 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 our labor and so labor costs are going to go up, but we can afford it. On the other hand, I do believe that, you know, technology can help a lot. And I think overall, all technology vendors have been looking at automation, things to simplify things, usability. How can I, how can I do more with last stuff, right? So, so, so I think it's, it's, it's a mix of both. Um, we are seeing that a lot of the new openings, right? Hotel, there's still hotel opening today. And there are opening with last staff from the get-go, right? right? So mm-hmm. that means that they have to work on, uh, you know, more automation, swifter uh, processes, uh, less complicated things. So I think that that's the new reality and the new openings are already there. Everybody else will have to come along, right? So yeah. I, I obviously, you know, Contactless check-in is 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 going to be a, a mandate um, for every hotel very soon. But you know we have the issues with the 
key locks and all this other stuff. And as Sasha was saying, those things don't happen overnight, right? It requires, you know, um, but we are seeing a lot of hotels, you know, closing out um, um, uh, floors and mm -hmm. doing infrastructure upgrades floor by floor, right? Because mm -hmm. the reality is staffing shortages also mean some of the bigger hotels cannot be open 100%. So if you invest now, then maybe you can open up the floor because you're going to have less staff needed to, to, do, to do things. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so again, I think the good news is pricing has never been this high. So financially, we're going to have a great year. Let's make sure that we give a little bit of that back to the staff and we invest a little bit of that into technology so that, that we're better prepared for the future. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, very good. Well, gents, we are coming up to our time. So Pedro, did you have any other slides that you wanted to run through before we- I don't know. Um, the, the only other thing that I think, and, and you know, in four weeks time is we're going to start to see pickup hopefully for October. So. So we'll mm -hmm. know more about October, but, but I think the good news overall is we're getting a lot better visibility, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we, in the beginning of the year, we were getting 50% same month bookings, right? Now we're at about a third. So we're going in the right direction, you know, 90, you know, more than 90 days visibility, it's already 25% of the stays. So I think things are moving in the right direction. Obviously this also always happens with the summer Then in the winter, you know, booking pace gets a little bit shorter. Um, as we can see here, right? So, so we'll, we'll, but but things I think are moving in the right direction. The other sort of good news that I wanted to share with everybody that it's something that we track on a monthly basis. How are how are we doing with cancellations? Cancellations are starting to trend to 2019 levels, and that's good. I actually, saw a little bit of a pickup in cancellations over the last couple of weeks. I do believe that it has to do with with summer bookings that people are now deciding where they're going to stay and they're going to cancel some out and actually just keep the one they're, st they're staying as, you know, the booking windows uh, come through. And the other um, sort of highlight here is, um, you know, the direct channel is still the channel with less bookings at 15%. Everybody else is around 30% and booking.com is by far the biggest, um, um, you know, the biggest cancellation generator. They're back on, on the video and on ads with, you can cancel for free. So yeah. I would recommend everybody to go on non-refundable rates on booking.com because um, we don't want the stress in the summer. Uh, we, we, there is ample demand to, you know, sort of turn things around, but I think operationally it's just better if you get more visibility instead of having a lot of last minute mm. changes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. Sasha, any other final comments from yourself? No, no, nothing to add. It's, it's just great figures to see and absolutely can, can copy what Pedro just said. It's something that, that we do see the same. And um, we, we do rely on, on our own channel, on our own brands. And, and this is something that, that we really have to keep in mind and, and foster in the very best way because there, there's this chance right now. Mm. Yep. Very good. All right, gentlemen. Well, I think on that note, we'll wrap it up and uh, we'll say goodbye. And to everybody who's tuned in, thank you very much for, for watching and for your questions and comments. Much appreciated. Um, gentlemen, until next time, it's been a pleasure as usual. And I think for now, we'll say goodbye. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.